Time Out on the WYSL stations is brought to you by Victor Chevrolet and Victor Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. And welcome back. It's show number 191, episode number 191 of the Time Out radio show. Got to have a whistle for this show. You know, whistle, time out, or everybody out of the pool. Something like that. We're listening to John Schofield from his album Hand Jive, and this is She's So Lucky. And we are so lucky to have uh, a returning guest on our show today, John Zabel. We had him on first in uh, February of 2022. He talked about the Rochester Numismatic Association. We had him on in June of that year for Freemasonry. Had him on in January of 2023, Freemasonry, Roman numeral two. Had him on in July of 2023 talking about Freemasonry coins. This guy knows a thing or two. And his last appearance was in November of 2023, and we talked about the evolution of paper money. Now you're going, now I remember this guy. And today, since we're recording this on Valentine's Day, we're talking about gold coins. Yeah, no, not the type that are chocolate wrapped in gold foil, but we'll get into that a little bit later. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing just great. I'm very talkative, apparently. Superstar, we have a little special segment here. We're going to, why don't you set it up for us? Well, uh, for some reason, we started talking about uh, General Cinema, which was a, a company that owned theaters. And we had one in Rochester, in Henrietta. It was torn down sometime in the early 2000s. And uh, they also had a, a a chain of radio stations. They were all top 40 stations. And General Cinema, if it doesn't come to mind immediately, maybe this will help to spark a memory. Oh, yeah. One of the cheesiest logos ever invented. Now, if you listen to this, listen to the bad edits. Was this the one that was remastered in 2014? Well, <laughs> right. Yeah, this is an extended That's dance extended, mask. Yeah, love it. There were uh, subsequent. They did spend money on other trailers towards the end of the company uh, where they, they, they remixed this with a more orchestrated, nicer version. Uh, but it was... Uh, it wouldn't be as effective. They probably spent 75 bucks on John, it. John, do you remember that? Yeah, I do slightly, yeah. 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 Well, Bob and I both, uh, or Superstar and I, had both had uh, some experience and time spent in the, uh, was it called the Canisius Lake or Lakeville Drive-In? Canisius Lake Drive-In. Canisius Lake Drive-In. Yeah, we lived next to the owners, Joe and Eleanor Iman. (laughs) And so Joe Iman was Superstar's boss at one point. You were like some teenage kid, right? Right. Uh, 16 years old. So we both remember that must have been a general cinema theater, right? No. No, that oh. was that was a oh, Joe Iman theater. Oh, okay. Alrighty then. So, what was he doing? Uh, stealing that? Stealing that logo? You, uh, Did didn't he play that on on the? I don't at the think driving? so. Oh, I you th- don't think so? No. Oh, okay. I think you only saw that in general cinema theaters. Oh, okay. Never mind. So yeah, today we're talking about gold coins. Let's get started, John. Uh, you uh, when? What was your first gold coin? Was it perhaps a chocolate wrapped in gold foil paper? Well, it. It probably was, but um, the first gold coin I ever got came from my grandfather. When he died, he had a couple, so 
I got them. And what were they? Uh, I think there was a uh, it was a ten dollar nineteen eighteen sixty four gold dollar, and I th- I think he may have had a twenty dollar in there too. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Do you still have those? Yeah, they're they're hidden away in a bank vault because they now worth a lot of money. What's what are they worth? What's the one dollar versus the the twenty dollar? Well, let's put it this way: a one dollar would have about a quarter of ounce of of gold in it, a little less wow. than a quarter. What's of it an at? Ounce. Two grand now for an ounce? Or? Yeah, it's it's a little over two thousand dollars an ounce. So work it out. That's about five six hundred dollars worth of gold. But is the coin itself intrinsically worth? Uh, does that add anything else, oh, or do yes. people just look at oh, melt, yes. melt value? No, no, no. When it, the the current bullion coins that you can, you can buy from the U.S. Mint or the Canadian Mint or South Africa or any other country that happens to make bullion gold coins, those are, you know, basically bullion value. But if you're looking at coins that were made prior to the 1930s, those are worth money, depending on what they are, when they were made, and the condition they're in. A morning guy uh, has told the tale of how he has a 1903 $20 gold piece. Yes. And he said in 1903 that would buy you four really nice suits. Yes. And today it will still buy you four really nice suits. Yeah. Well, if if you could spend it, but you'd have to turn it into some collector to spend, let's see, in 1903, that would be, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. I and could, you recommend I, could, I got the book. I could check. And to do that, let's do a shameless plug for Brighton Token and Coins on Monroe Avenue. You like those guys, right? Yes. I've been there. They uh, turned my, you know, somebody's uh, silverware set into a nice check for me. I, I was amazed. Yes. Um, they seem pretty square, like pretty square guys. I brought a, 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 a small collection in, and they all of a sudden, you know, uh, they stopped working stop talking and they went over to the magnifying glass and then he put his headset on and you know his magnifying headset and i said what's going on and so there was some coin there i don't know what it was i'm sorry i'm teasing you but they said that without a mint mark it was worth you know 450 bucks with a mint mark it was worth pretty much face value i don't know what it was i could get back to you and tell you what that was but i thought well that's kind of nice they didn't have to do that uh, of course, to verify, they weren't able to tell themselves whether it had a mint mark or not, and you got you'd have to send it off, which is thirty five, forty bucks, something like that. To, something like that, yeah. yeah. You send it off to to what we call a third party grading service. There's there's three or four of them. A couple of them are very good. There's actually three good ones. There's uh, the professional coin grading service PCGS, and then there's NGC, and then there's um, Anex. Do these folks have, or do these companies have local satellites, or do you have to send them off to central areas to oh, get yeah, them graded? Yeah, typically you send them off, and the the dealer can send them off because he has permission to do that. Um, you know, and charge. I don't think they charge the fee, but they they pay the fee uh, to have have the coin graded, and it comes back in a nice plastic capsule, and it tells you what it is and what the grade is, and. But if you if you get one of those nice plastic capsules, you, 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 the idea is you never open it up. Otherwise, all bets are off, right? You could have put another coin in there. So yes. you can never fondle the coin ever again. That's right. Which is kind of sad, really. I don't know. Never mind. Um, so Superstar kind of answered my second question indirectly there. I said, why is gold so valuable? 
Well, because of your four really good suit examples. And for anybody who's tuning in late, first you get a dope slap. And then we, re, why don't you reiterate that real quick? When you miss a little, you miss a lot, folks. Uh, yeah, our morning guy, Jim Quinn, has in his possession, he has a 1903 $20 U.S. gold piece, a gold coin, I should say. And uh, he said that when it was minted, it would buy you four really nice suits. Uh, you know, bearing in mind the cost of a suit in 1903. He says today, because of the value of the gold, it will still buy you four really nice suits. And we come full circle. Then John said, yeah, but you got to take it somewhere. And then I said, yeah, Brighton tokens and coins. And here we are. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that that coin would, would be, according to the book, around $2,000 mm-hmm. in 1903. So, yeah, you could get a couple of good suits. Yeah, for a couple 2000. of good suits. I wouldn't say four. Well, no. Yeah, okay. It depends on what your definition of good is. See, my definition of my, my suit is the Carhartt jacket and... Huh. Uh, and a pull-down hat, and uh, no. Okay, so... No, you're talking Hickey Freeman for good suits. Yeah. All right. Not Hick. <laughs> Not Hick. Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! Fast, yeah. fast, or what? He's firing on all three cylinders today, folks. Uh, so let's ask you one more thing before we go to a tidbit. Uh, take us all the way back as far as you can. When and where, roughly, for both, did gold coins first appear? Oh, uh, way back around 600 or so B.C. So 2,600 uh, years ago. Happened in the, as it turns out, the Middle East, um, probably under King Darius. And possibly, let, me, let me show you how little I know about history. Does the name the Byzantine Empire mean anything? Is, is it relevant oh, yeah, in any it, way? The Byzantine Empire was from about uh, 325 A.D. till about uh, 1320 A.D. Okay, so that it's was, roughly in the that ballpark. Was the, that was the Eastern Roman Empire. Okay. And it, it was what considered to be the Roman Empire after Rome was taken over by the, the Vandals and Visigoths and whatever when Rome fell. It was after the Holy Roman Empire? Uh, actually, the Holy Roman Empire was never part of the Roman Empire. Oh, right, 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 right. Holy Roman Empire was Europe controlled when when the Pope picked a Holy Roman Emperor, and only the Pope could do that. The Holy Roman Emperor was kind of over all of the states in Europe that decided they wanted to be part of that. Not all of them were. Some of them were. Some of them weren't. So, so a, a political thing as opposed oh, to... Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. A politically religious thing. Yeah. Can I do one more before we do the tidbit question? Uh, why did you say prior to the 1930s the, the coin has more value? It's not a different kind of gold. It's, no, it's, it's not a different kind of gold. But in the U.S., in 1933, uh, um, Theodore uh, Franklin Roosevelt issued a um, uh, executive order that said after May 1st, 1933, U.S. citizens could not buy, sell, or own gold except for collectible coins and other antique artifacts. So in the U.S., there were no gold coins minted after 1933. Actually, the the last official ones was the ten dollar nineteen thirty three, and the twenty dollar nineteen thirty two. But Except, today there are gold coins, correct? Well, there are gold coins, but they aren't spendable. They're actually what you call bullion coins. So they may have a value on them of say 
$20, but you can't spend them. They're, they're collectible kind of things. Yeah. They're, they're actually a repository of bullion, gold bullion. So you can own a little round thing that's bullion. So you don't have to go out and buy a 10-pound a, a brick of gold, you know, for $200,000. Uh, so so let me ask you this then. So would it make any difference whether I bought a bullion coin that looks pretty versus the equivalent in a, in a brick, so to speak, um, well, uh, as far get, as investment-wise? If you're buying it for gold, it wouldn't make a difference. Okay, if you're buying a bullion coin or you're buying a, you know, one-pound brick of gold, it's just that the bullion coin looks better, you know, and people, once it's made, people can say, oh, yeah, this is good gold because it was made by, you know, South Africa, Canada, U.S., whatever. Cougar and they know ran. how much gold is in it. Yeah, the Cougar Rand. And, um, you know, they can come up with a value for it. Now, if you hand them a brick, if it's not stamped by an assayer that they know of, and since there aren't independent assayers that do that much anymore— Nobody would know if it's actually good gold or not. It could be 50%, could be 20%. Oh, so they can cut gold. They can oh. dilute it. Well, yeah, they do all the time. You know, gold is, is very seldom. Gold, as far as fineness goes, is rated on a scale of 0 to 24. Is that carrots? It's carrots, with a K, not a C, a K. There's a difference. Bugs Bunny is the other kind. <laughs> no, that that's a different spelling. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, you you have K A R A T and C A R A T. K A R A T is the fineness of gold. You know, typically a a a ring would be between 10, 14 or 18 karat gold. Or 24 karat if it's pure gold. But pure no, gold. Have, is so what's the difference soft. between 24 karat and solid gold? What's the difference? Nothing. Solid gold and 24-karat gold are exactly the same. All right. So do they prefer one uh, terminology over another? It, it depends on who you're talking to. Solid gold doesn't, you know, if you say 24-karat gold, then everybody knows that that's pure yeah, gold. Yeah, solid gold is more like the pukers. That's solid gold. Right? <laughs> yeah, the oldie station. Yeah. Um, I don't that know, means it, it, it has gold all the way through it, but that doesn't mean it's pure gold. If it says If they say solid, who knows? It could it could be any kind of of uh, alloy of gold. All right, so we're going to drop it there. Go do a tidbit. When we come back, I want to ask you just a general question because you've got a lot of knowledge, and I'm wondering if you're the kind of person who says, "Gee, the more I know, the more I don't know," because it just seems it's just you can split the hair and split that hair and keep going finer and finer and finer into the details. As we're at it, let's each of us have a split, have an attitude adjustment. Beautiful. Thanks, Superstar. No problem. So the tidbit today is, uh, what is it? Oh, yeah, Mike and Eileen are going to like this. Uh, they, they, they made it. I know they like it, but they wondered where it was. And this is a remake of something called The Dude Ranch. Here's the latest timeout tidbit. Welcome, sir, to Lazy Eye Dude Ranch, where the pure, authentic Western lifestyle lives. You'll feel at home here on the range. What's your name? Joseph Verdi. 
Welcome, Mr. Verdi. You can call me Joe. Okay, Joe. I'm your host, Jen. Jenny Aniston. Hello, Jenny. Ain't you going to ask me the usual question? Uh, what question? Am I related to Jennifer Aniston? Sorry, I don't know all of your friends. Okay, let's move on. I want to show you around the ranch. Great. Where are you from, Mr. Verdi? Dallas. Yeehaw! We got us a real Texan here. Uh, that's Dallas, Pennsylvania in Luzerne County. I, I see. What kind of work do you do? I work for Palomino Saddle Industries. Wow, so you must ride rope and rodeo? Actually, we make saddle shoes for the private school students. But you ride to work on a Palomino, huh? No, I use a car service into Manhattan. Every day, I sit in the back and read the Wall Street Journal. I am actually an actuary analyst in the financial department. I'm a CPA. Why are you here? My CEO said I need a vacation from the stress of using spreadsheet software. It's mandatory. They're picking up the tab. Well, Mr. Verdi. Call me Joe. Okay, Joe. This is our lodge. Very rustic. I never saw a sheetrock painted to look like Lincoln Logs. It's not paint, Joe. It's a painted backdrop. Let's go outside and see a corral. Is that where you have campfires and tell stories, play harmonicas and guitars? Yes, Joe. You know your way around the great outdoors. This campfire seems different. Well, due to wildfire concerns, we had to make some changes. We installed the microwave oven, ran a 110 line from the lodge. The, mon- the video monitor has a flash drive with an MPEG of a simulated hearth. That way you can warm your hands without getting burned. A little rough roasted marshmallows, though. Nice. This is our barn, Joe. Where are the horses? Due to liability issues, we replaced them with all-terrain vehicles. You have your choice of two models, our deluxe silver model and our luxury trigger model. So, what do you do on cattle drives? We have staff and cow costumes riding bicycles. You lasso them and corral them. How authentic. I hope they don't brand them. You must be all amped up. Yes, we do brand them. Keeps them moving. You brand people dressed as cattle. Isn't that painful? Our guests don't seem to mind. How about the staff dressed as cattle? Let me circle back to you on that. Perhaps this ranch should be called the Circleback Ranch. I don't see why. We've been calling it the, the Lazy Eye ever since 1894, when Doc Worland opened up his bifocal shop here in town. How long did it take you to get here anyway? Well, flying out of Newark and two connections, four hours on I-25, about two days, frankly, I could have had the same experience at the Lackawanna Hotel in Scranton. Scranton? What the heck's in Scranton? You must have at least one horse here, don't you? I mean, a live horse? Come this way. Work with me here, Joe. This is Ed. Mr. We like to call him. Had him stuffed and installed audio animatronics with voice recognition. In fact, Mr. introduces the reruns on TV. Hello? Hello? Ed? He's not responding. Mr. Ed will only speak if he has something to say. He's shy that way. He is not a real horse. A horse is a horse. Of course, of course. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, Wilbur. Is it lunchtime yet? Enough of this. I heard the rodeo is in this package. Uh, Sorry, that was a misprint. It should be radio. Darn spell check. You can listen to this multi-band shortwave radio. It's a Grundig. A Grundig. It's not working. Oh, batteries are not included. Great. We use them for all our talking Mr. Ed. We, we do have a day trip planned to the monastery 
of the remaining assembly of cloistered Third Order Apostles and contemplate a vocational devotion. The what? They operate a farm and sell homemade pineapple sponge square cakes under sea salt. Not interested. I want authentic cowboy experience. Lady, you must be out of your mind. This so-called dude ranch is totally fake. It's a fraud. It's a phony. We have more genuine ranch experiences in Pennsylvania. I'm going home. Go ahead and miss computer game night in our Art Deco room. Or a shopping trip to Sex Fifth Avenue. How dare you say this is not an authentic ranch experience? Just last week, we hosted a Blue Man Group concert. Totally disappointing. There is nothing here for me. Oh, what's this? A home on the range, classic cowhand sing-along around the campfire with those old western songs. Well, finally, something genuine. Okay, where do I go to participate? Anywhere you want. It's on Zoom. So now we're going to take a quick commercial break, come back and talk more with John Zabel about gold coins is the topic today. Stick around. Time Out Radio Show on the WISL stations now at 27,000 watts. Hello if you're just experiencing us for the first time. Saving selection, security, and satisfaction when you shop at Victor Chevrolet. Now, lease a 2024 Chevy Trax 1 RS front-wheel drive. Just $189 a month for 24 months. Get the cold weather safety and capability of a 2024 Chevy Silverado LT Crew Cab for just $359 a month for 36 months. And then, there's the 24 Chevy Equinox all-wheel drive LT. Only $199 a month for 27 months. $2,500 cash or trade equity at closing. Tier 1 credit approval less irresponsible for repairs and maintenance must have lease and household for all these lease deals conditions apply get details at dealer all factory rebates incentives and discounts waived. whether you drive a chevy or not trust your vehicle to our chevy certified service department and check out our great used inventory too come see how easy it is to do business with us together let's drive at victor chevrolet route 96 and victor visit victorchevrolet.com Stop, look, and listen. It's getting colder outside. Is your layout a train wreck? Get on board and visit Leafs for model train supplies and get back on track. That's Leafs Sales and Service, your source for model train supplies. Located at 9328 County Road 14 in West Bloomfield. Open Tuesday through Thursday 9 to 6, Friday 9 to 5, and Saturday 9 to 2. Call Leafs today at 585-624-4295. That's 585-624-4295. Time Out Radio Show on the WYSL stations. And we're back. So we're talking with John Zabel of Fairport, New York. And where did we leave off? We were going to talk about, uh, yeah, the more you seem to know about a topic, the more you get into the, the nitty-gritty details and the devil's in the details. Do you, do you feel that way sometime, or do you feel like you've got a pretty good handle on... Oh, I don't, I don't know everything. There, there's probably... Half a dozen people in this country that know just about everything about gold. There is one gentleman, and there might be more than one now, that that actually has a degree in numismatics, a Ph.D. in numismatics. 
and he wrote a book about California gold. That was his his doctoral thesis, talking about, A, the mining of gold, the assaying of gold, and the making of gold coins in California that weren't all made by the U.S. government. They were made by private assayers and, and minters. Why don't you do a def- definition for us? You keep using the word assayer. I mean, it must be uh, assessor, right? What is the what was the role no, of an assayer? Uh, no, an assayer is not an assessor. An assayer is somebody that determines the fineness of the product when it comes to metal, particularly gold and silver. So they have a process, chemical process of determining: is this all silver? Is this all gold? What is the uh, I'm picturing uh, somebody elements. with an eyedropper put, placing a chemical, and then whether what color it turns tells you the the purity of it, or something like that. Or yeah, they I, can, they can do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they were also the ones that would uh, determine how to um, you know what temperature to melt it at, and to pull off the different uh, components because all metals melt at different temperatures. So if you know the temperature that a, that a particular metal melts at, you can take up that temperature, and the only thing that's liquid is that metal, and everything else is something else. So nothing melts at exactly the same temperature. All right, so let's let's do this. You were talking about the difference between white gold and normal yellow gold. So let's say, um, just give us an example. Let's say you've got a chunk not not a wedding ring, but a, a big chunk of white gold, and you start to go through that process. Like, take us through that. So, so you know what what is the first thing that's going to melt, and, and and what's what and what are you going to be left with, and how do you how do you know? Well, I don't know the melting points of of all of the constituent stuff, but I would suspect that the gold would melt before the silver, slightly before, which would melt before the copper. And you'd get some tin in there. Aluminum so be, wasn't part of it. but So because gold is a soft metal, it has a lower melt point? Is that yeah. Thing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and you were talking of the difference between yellow gold and, and white gold. Yellow gold has a higher percentage of just gold in it. So it'd be 18 karat gold, which would be yellow. Um, if it's white gold... It has a significant amount of gold, but it has other metals like silver or or other or nickel, which are the white metals that make it look white, but there's still gold in it. Why bother wasting gold on a white gold piece of jewelry? You know, if if you're not gonna see the gold, what does the gold bring to that? Well the gold object? the gold adds the, the ability of not tarnishing. Because the gold doesn't tarnish. So it can keep the tarnish away from the silver components. And silver does tarnish. Yeah, you know, you you, you go out and you, you you go out and buy sterling silver yep. silverware, it tarnishes. Now if you had it in gold, which I wouldn't suggest because it'd be a lot softer and you'd probably bend it when you're eating eating with it, it, it wouldn't tarnish at all. Wouldn't change color, wouldn't do anything. Okay. Interesting. Interesting stuff there. Did we uh touch on gold properties? Uh, we talked about not tarnishing. It looks pretty. Uh, it's rare. It's rare, and it's very malleable. Malleable means that that you don't have to you don't have to melt it to make something. If if you're good enough with with a hammer and you know tools, 
you can shape it into anything you want quite easily. That's how Bob built this station. He has a big hammer, right? <laughs> yes, it's built a solid goal, but don't let that get around. <clears throat> uh, okay, so let me go. Let me do this. Uh, did uh, did metal coins like silver, copper, copper, nickel, bronze, etc., predate gold, or like when did gold come on the scene? Um, as far as coins go, yeah, it was. Um, the 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 first coins made way back in in you know the prehistory times around the time of um, King Darius etc. They were made out of a, a, a compound that was called electrum. Now, what is electrum? Electrum is a compound that looks like silver, but it has gold in it. So it's basically white gold, but it the the composition is less. So they it, it was a naturally found metal that was you could shape it easily without melting it you could put it in you could make it into a glob and you could hit it with a die very easily and put an impression in it to make a coin which is you know basically what coins are is a blob of metal which press it with a die and it looks like something and as people found more gold Kings, etc., said, hmm, this is a little more valuable and it takes up less space. Guys can have more gold coins and have higher value than a whole pile of silver coins. So they'd make gold coins. Mostly for, you know, um, paying their generals and things like that. The, the average uh, soldier of the day, the average farmer, you know, a silver denarius would be about their week's pay. Interesting. So I've heard it said, John, that uh, uh, gold is valuable, but it's not rare. Is that a, f- a fair assessment? Well, it's it's valuable. It, well, when you consider rarity, like if you're if you're going out to uh, find lithium, that's rare. Mm-hmm. Gold can be found just about any place. Right. Well, maybe not in New York State, but uh, once you have a gold mine, you can find enough of it, but. Yeah, it's it's not easy to get. Uh, if you're um, panning for gold out west back in 1849, it took a lot of work to get enough gold to pay your pay for your day, but you could. Because since it doesn't oxidize, it's easy to find. It can it can break off, and it's quote easy to find, but not in huge quantities. So you can find it, but you're not going to find a lot of it. Right, in any one place. But gold yeah. is found pretty much all over the world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. But because of because of the fact that it doesn't oxidize, it looks pretty, it's easy to work with, makes it valuable. What were those early coins promise based upon? Um, it was based on what the... Uh, the actually... The uh, strength of the government that was behind it, uh, i.e. the ruler, the the king, the emperor, whoever, uh, if he had a treasury that was very good because he was out taxing the people, getting getting money in, and he was keeping it, his gold coins were quite valuable. As he used that money in fighting wars, he would make his coins... A little bit less silver, a little bit less gold. Not that you would notice, but it was there. And the merchants would find out, oh, this gold coin, which should weigh an ounce, 
now weighs nine-tenths of an ounce. So they put uh, a, pine, <clears throat> a pine cone in the middle of it or something. Yeah, not necessarily a pine well, cone, but something. other metals. Other metals, yeah, <laughs> Okay, yeah, other, yeah. right, sure, yeah. Um, <coughs> an Easter egg. Um, so talk about uh, the minting, the striking, the off-center strikes that we are familiar with today, standardization and counterfeits. That's a small topic, right? Well, In a minute or less. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Well, you know, uh, you you take the uh, the the gold and and U.S. coins are nine hundred fine or or about uh, nineteen and a half carats um, fine gold. So they have a little bit of uh, um, other metals in them. What those are could be copper, could be nickel, could be. Well, I have a question stuff. on that now. So I've seen pictures of it. Got to admit, I don't own any gold. Bricks or whatever they call them, the one ounce things or what, whatever they are, those little thingies. Point nine 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 pure. Like, what, what is the last? What What's in there that's not gold? Well, it could you know be. What my, I don't, that's a terrible way to word a question. But no, do you know what I'm talking the, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because okay. it, the, any kind of um, substance can be in there. It could be a, a, a flake of silver. It could be a flake of copper, why? a little bit of tin. If they're going that far, why not go the extra decimal well, because point? It, and... Because it's difficult to get all that stuff out. The refining process doesn't necessarily... It, it's not like making alcohol. When you make alcohol, you get alcohol. You know, the first part is bad, the last part is not so great. But in the middle, you're getting just pure alcohol. When you're refining gold... You're getting close to where it's totally, absolutely pure, but you can't get it. Can't get all of the uh, trace elements out of there. It could be anything that could be found if you took it and put it on, uh, you know, melted it down and looked at the at the spectrum of what's there. It's not going to be just one point of gold. It's going to have a lot of other little peaks of other stuff, just because other stuff gets in there, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a metal. It could be anything else. Yeah, what else do you want to tell us about? I mean, you saw the questions here. I don't know which way to go. I mean, I could ask any one of these. Um, what, what, was there a penalty for counterfeiting? It was probably oh. not looked upon with favor. I'm, I'm assuming it's oh, well, loss of limb or maybe amputation at the neck or something like that. You know, amputation at the neck was a good one, yeah. It, to uh, um, Back in, in colonial times on, on some of the paper money, never on coins, but it was always counterfeiting is death. If you were a counterfeiter, you're going to die somehow. So, and coins have been counterfeited as long as coins have existed. Now, there were very few ancient counterfeits, but there were people that did it. And you see, the in the early times when the emperor had coins made, he would franchise different cities that had people that knew how to make coins. He would franchise them to make his coins. Now, once in a while, somebody that knew how to do that, who didn't have the franchise, would make the coins. That's a counterfeit. Now, today, especially in gold coins, and most especially U.S. gold coins, the chief counterfeiter is uh, some industries in China, because China does, ha- does not have any copyright laws or intellectual property laws. So they can they can make them, and it's not illegal in China to make counterfeits, and they make very good ones. But 
you can, with a good eye and knowing what you look at, you can tell a counterfeit from a non-counterfeit. Now, in some places, and I've seen one, uh, in Lebanon back in the uh, 50s and 60s, they would make cast counterfeits of U.S. $20 gold pieces. Now, how how could you tell they were cast? Well, if you looked at them at a distance that looked just like a legitimate U.S. gold coin. But if you got up close, you might see some little little holes or bubbles. That meant it was cast and not minted. Now, there's got to be collectors for, you know, errors and counterfeits, too. So in some in some circles, I would think those would actually bring bring more. Well, as it turns out, having counterfeit U.S. anything is illegal. Yeah, okay. But you said collectors of them. There are people that collect counterfeits. They don't tell anybody that they have them, but they do. When they find them, they keep them. They don't get rid of them. I got you. In fact, I have a friend that actually does have a small counterfeit coin collection. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. I read somewhere about some guy that collects counterfeit paper money, and some of it is really intriguing. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's uh, There was some guy that used to make, you know, like uh, 10 and $20 bills just using a pencil, a lead pencil, and it was good oh, enough. Oh, yeah. That was G... Uh, uh, what's his name? Boggs. GSG Boggs. Yeah. And you look at photographs of this stuff, and it's unbelievable. It's so, I, not so only convincing. have I seen photographs, I've met the guy, and I've seen some of his original work. Oh, I, th- I thought he lived, you know, like back in the 1800s. Oh, no, this, this guy only died about five, eight years ago. Oh, uh, He was doing this from the, from the 80s into the 2000s. Are you talking about the guy? There was a program on TV maybe 15 years ago about a guy who was an artist, and he would, he would draw these beautiful, oversized, you know, clearly oversized notes you know, maybe a five hundred dollar note. You know, yeah. Painstakingly, if it's, if it's it. oversized, that's that's legitimate. Yeah, but the thing was, is he tried. You know, so the value of this guy's work was, let's say, ten thousand dollars. This piece of artwork that he had done is valued at maybe twenty thousand dollars, something like that. He yeah. tries to go in and spend it as a one hundred dollar bill, as it's marked, and they they didn't want to touch it. Yeah. So it just brings up the question of what is value? You know. Value is in is is in the mind of the holder and the receiver. Mm-hmm. Now, in the case of J.S.G. Boggs, who was an artist, he drew notes that were exactly the right size for a note, and he would tell whoever he was giving them to that this was not real money, that he had drawn this, and he would use it to pay for a dinner. If the um, person taking it said. Okay, I'll accept it for that. He got his dinner. That, that's, that's the value of that note. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the value of that note. You can purchase a dinner with it. Yeah. Now, that's he the, got into a lot of trouble because um, the uh, Secret Service considered him as a counterfeiter. Now, he wouldn't necessarily make the notes look exactly what they should be. Pretty close. And he could do them almost exact. But not, but not quite. They they were very pretty, mm-hmm. uh, and Amazing he got in detail. trouble, and they they confiscated a lot of his stuff, and he didn't get it back. But that's that's what he did, and he did it for U.S. notes, British notes, any anywhere he happened to be, he would draw a note, and if it was accepted, fine. If it wasn't accepted, okay. Well, as usual, John, um, we're out of time, kind of, sort of. We have a little bit more time, but we had to leave out about a third of the questions, and there was maybe we'd come back for a. 
gold coins part two. Who knows? I know we've got you on the hook for cleaning coins in June of 2024, so stay tuned for that oh, show, sure. folks. Um, but uh, let's just go down to the bottom and say somebody listening to the show today says, gee, I, I'm kind of intrigued by this whole universe out there. What, how would you advise them to, to get started, to dip their toe in the water, so to speak? Go to a show, maybe, or buy well, a book, or what? Well, there's there's two things you should do. First, you can go to a library and see what they have in the way of coin books, borrow one or two, because there's a lot of books on coins out there. You can go to just about any bookstore and find them. You could go online to Amazon and find them all. And you look at the books... You look at the coins, you decide, do I really want to collect this stuff? What is it going to cost me? What is my budget? So once you know an idea of what you want to collect and you've read about it, so you know mintages, rarity, value, prices of it, then you can go to a coin show or a coin dealer and see what they have that that fits your needs and you look at it. And you buy by what you like, what you see, not by what somebody tells you is good. So if you're going out and buying, say, coins that have been graded by a third-party service, if it says it's, you know, an almost perfect coin, and you look at it and say, eh, I, I don't like how that looks. But this other one, which isn't quite the same grade, I like looking at it better. Buy the one that you like, mm-hmm. not the one with the highest grade, unless you're buying stuff as an investor, and then buy it by grade. Otherwise, buy what you see and what you like. Got time for one other quick one? No. no. Sorry. Uh, okay, I'll have to ask you this after the show then. Uh, so, John Zabel, thanks a lot for coming in again today, talking to us about gold oh, appreciate coins. appreciate it. I love being here. Let's stick around. we got to do the Comparoscope and rate a record after this next short uh, informational message from our sponsors. The fun's not over yet, folks. Stick where you are on WYSR. Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram gives you an assist to get through this winter. Save 25% below MSRP on a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Mojave 4x4. There are 11 to choose from. Lease a 2024 Jeep Wrangler 4-door Willis 4XE Convertible. Only $319 a month for 36 months. 7,500 miles a year, 2,500 cash or trade, must have lease loyalty. The 23 Jeep Grand Cherokee Altitude is only $379 a month for 39 months. 7,500 miles a year, 3,500 cash or trade, must have lease loyalty. Or check out a 23 Jeep Renegade 
Big Latitude SUV 4x4. Just $239 a month for 39 months. $2,500 cash or trade. 10,000 miles a year must be conquest every trading lessee. First payment, DMV, taxes and fees due at signing. Other conditions may apply. See dealer for details. We are here to fully serve Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram customers in Victor, Canandaigua, Macedon, Fairport, and Finger Lakes. Visit the most beautiful new vehicle sales and service dealership in the area. Victor Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. 6484 Route 96, just east of Victor. Debunking advertising from the law office of Christopher Johnson. One ad some injury attorneys inundate you with, what's your case worth? Call us and find out. You know, nobody can tell you, quote, what your case is worth over the phone. Nobody knows. The ultimate answer to, quote, what your case is worth involves weeks or months of research, evaluation, and preparation. Many factors go into any compensation you might get, like applicable law, who's actually at fault, how much insurance coverage there is, and many, many other factors. At the law office of Christopher Johnson, the singular focus is getting your life back on track after an accident or injury. That takes money, and it helps when the advice and legal advice you get has a one-on-one focus informed by straight talk. Christopher Johnson, attorney. Car, truck, motorcycle accidents, personal injury, and DWI defense. Call 585-415-3803. 585-415-3803. Tom Wall's team member, Emily. We don't want you to stop in for a Tom Wall's Haddock dinner. We want you to stop in every week for a Haddock dinner and bring your family. We like hearing your family laughing and enjoying themselves. They bring joy to our restaurant. Crispy golden haddock, hot crispy fries, and just made coleslaw. That's what we bring to the table. Now you, you make it a family tradition. Tom Walls. Good. Good. Share the good times. Tom Walls. Hey, if you like history and you like airplanes, the National Warplane Museum in Geneseo, New York, is the place to go. Tours, exhibits, events, vintage aircraft, and more. Visit NationalWarplaneMuseum.com for more details. All seasons wine and spirits. Why go to the big liquor superstores in Rochester when you can save and park right next to the front door at All Seasons? They'll carry your discount case purchases to your car with a smile. Voted best in Livingston County. All Seasons Wine and Spirits, 255 Main Street in Avon. Time Out Radio Show on the WYSL stations. Money, That's What I Want by Barrett Strong, chosen specially for our guest and topic today. Thanks again, John, for coming in. So, uh, Superstar, what time do you have on that uh, side of the console? Let me check my solid gold watch. It's another WYSL timeout. Compare-O-Scope. And that's a side-by-side comparison of an original or early song recording and a popular cover of the same song. Today we're featuring Let Me Roll It. The writers were Paul McCartney and Wings, a.k.a. Wings. It's a song by the British-American rock band Paul McCartney and Wings, released on their 1973 album Band on the Run. The song was also released as the B-side to Jet in early 1974 and has remained a staple of McCartney's live concerts 
since it was first released. What do you say we play it? Well, uh, sure. Noted for their commercial successes, music, musical eclecticism, and frequent personnel changes going through three lead guitars, guitarists, four drummers. Uh, however, the core trio of the McCartneys and Denny Lane remained intact through the group's existence. Okay, so the comparison today is Lake Street Dive. This is from 2014. And it was on their EP called Fun Machine. Lake Street Dive is an American multi-genre band that was formed in 2004 at the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston. Interesting. So, John, we turn to you and we ask, uh, which version of that song do you prefer? You probably remember the original, right? Maybe? No, I guess not. He's giving me a look like 
He's never heard of Paul McCartney. That's fine. Oh, I've heard of Paul okay. McCartney. <laughs> All right. Come on. All right. So which version of that song do you prefer? And maybe tell us a little bit about why. Well, they're, they're both different uh, genres. And uh, actually, I like the second one better. Okay. One it, for Lake Street. You, you, yeah. Why? It, it, it fits my uh, feeling of music a little bit more. The other one is, is a little bit darker and... In how it's played, okay, yeah, they're, they're both very good. Both performances were excellent. I gotta say, before I actually, you know, give my opinion, but I, uh, I, I think that that McCartney version, the Wings version, always seemed a little harsh. Like the beat doesn't seem to flow. You got that guitar riff, and then there's like a space, and then you kind of want there to be something, but there, you gotta wait. You gotta like count more than you normally would before you get that next big guitar riff it's kind of off balance like it like one cylinder isn't running there it's running on three cylinders kind of like you superstar i'm sorry oh, thank you very much <laughs> thank you folks all right you superstar me what do you think? yes uh lake street dive a swing and a miss uh i like a lot about it uh the one thing i do not like in particular is the tempo it's a little draggy uh, you know, pick up the pace just a little bit. The lead uh, from the you know from the the wings version that uh, strong, very strong guitar lead has been replaced by a horn lead, and I don't know if it's the mix or whatever, but it needs to be a little the the horn lead needs to be a little stronger. Does that sound to you like an old song? I mean, he seemed like that forty five is kind of interesting because I, when I first heard Jet, I thought this has got to be something from the past. Mm-hmm. It did not sound like 1974 to me. Do you, did you well, have that re- yeah, re- reaction? I, I think that a lot of the a lot of the Wings work is uh, Exhibit A for the proposition that the Beatles kind of really needed each other. There were counter <laughs> countervailing uh, creative forces in there that made for a good mix. And when they were off on their own, with a few notable exceptions, it was just not as notable as uh, when they were the Fab Four. Great answer. All right, so I'm going to go with uh, Lake Street Dive just because I think it's an interesting interpretation of something that, you know, Wings and the Beatles are kind of a tough act to follow, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's a nicely reimagined version of the song, although I do like the, the Wings version very much. It's the one I'm familiar with. That's the show, folks. Thanks for listening. And once more, we're going to bump out with Professor Longhair, go to the Mardi Gras. So today must be Fat Wednesday. I don't know. Oh, it's all over. Lent started. Put those cigars down. Or something. Give up something that's important to you. Put it all down. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Time Out on the WYSL stations is brought to you by Victor Chevrolet and Victor Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Tell you what's carnival for Get your ticket in your hand You wanna go to New Orleans Get your ticket in your hand You wanna go 
to New Orleans. You know when you get to New Orleans, somebody'll show you the Zulu King. 